have this juxtaposition of a human that we've then said like you need to be everything and if you're not this on my one profile i'm swiping right past you instead of giving someone the chance of getting to know them being curious about them seeing if it's the right combination and identifying like as henry cloud goes through this is like what are you looking for and why are you looking for it like is it something in you that you're actually trying to overcompensate for and you're just like i need someone that will solve all of these problems because you're not going to god your identity's not in god or you're you're dealing with your own trauma and, and healing and understanding that the way we've warped it in the world and and culture in the last 50 years we've changed what we look for in a spouse and put an entire world like burden on that partner welcome to wwjt what would jesus tech i mean he was a single guy he wasn't using dating apps he wasn't dating to our knowledge um pretty pretty sure he wasn't dating on earth i think that's an obvious but but yeah he he probably would have some guidelines to say about dating i i think some people say the bible has nothing to say about dating at all don't worry you can do whatever you want that's not true there are some good principles to guide us so what are those principles i'm joined as always by joel jacob and i'm joined also by ruth cuthbert who uh is a faith techie not just a techie, but a faith techie because she works at Faith Tech. Um, she's actually written on dating apps and she's um, very well thought on this issue. So I'm super glad that we had that we're having you on this podcast. Thanks for joining us, first of all. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So when you guys think of this sentence, I would like you to complete it. Dating apps are. the mobile version of online apps oh i was gonna say a great way to meet people my answer to the question is that dating apps are like hamburgers and two by fours because there's a guy who did this video describing how hamburgers and two by fours are similar because of the efficiencies economies of scale etc and you'll see how it relates to dating apps i hope to start, they both take advantage of a process that leaves very little waste, or they utilize materials that otherwise would have been waste. For hamburgers, it's ground beef, which is made from all of the offcuts from the butchering process. For light wood framing, it has to do with getting usable wood members from a tree. You can think of prime cuts like a stake to be like big straight cuts of wood. But because trees are round and framing construction prefers square or rectangular members, there's a lot of excess. Cutting the trees into smaller parts allows you to take advantage of more of the tree. Yeah. Okay, so I got it. It's like both of them are just examples of how things can be scaled. And, you know, dating apps are a way to scale, you know, connections, uh, I think is kind of like the the analogy here. Okay. Yeah, it's the, in, the industrialization of it for better and worse, right? Because I think dating apps are not a replacement of dating. They are rather a way to meet people and initiate dating. And the dating app is a way to make economical and efficient increases in potential dates. And it's all about that, that economical and efficient approach to things and wood framed houses by two by fours, or, you know, it doesn't, it, it makes better use of the tree. And I think dating apps make better use of your time, <clears throat> optimizing it for meeting people because when it's a lunch hour and you're at work you don't have the opportunity to meet brand new people but yep. with the dating app you can so i think people who just have this blind I'll, I'll call it blind because it's like oh dating apps are bad do you also believe that hamburgers are bad and like two by fours are bad because because those things were modern technologies invented to make more economical and efficient something that is good it is a good thing to meet new people. It's a good thing to live in a house. It's a good thing to eat food. So that's that's kind of my introduction in a in a funny way into this idea that dating apps, you know, they're not so bad because there might be some stigma there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and Ruth, what's your experience with this like stigma related to dating apps? I think there's so my background, my story is I have basically. Uh, I got married when I was 34, but I was single for 10 years before that. And so growing up in the church and like I, I had one solid boyfriend in university and then that ended and then no one really dated in the church for a chunk of time because there was all this pressure around it. And so when I turned 30, I was like, okay, I need to 
need to be more proactive about this. I need to get online and and start meeting people because I just wasn't interacting with new people through my church or like you said, like leaving the office. I wasn't leaving the office for lunch. And, um, but it was something that I, the number of times I've logged on to an online app and then instantly deleted it is pretty high. Like I've, I've done that many times starting at 25 and then did it again at 30. Um, and so there's, there's a shame. And as I was writing these articles, I started to notice, um, I would, I would bring it up and say, oh, I'm talking about online dating. And especially with women, I noticed they would start to, um, when they'd say, oh, you're brave. And then they'd say, like oh, they wouldn't admit that they were also single and that they were looking and in the in the a battle for lack of a better word too. And I realized that um, there is a huge shame around at least women in their 30s that are single. Um, I think there is a degree of shame around men in their 30s, and I'd say particularly in the church and probably older ages as well. I'm just not as exposed to it that it's not often talked about. It's not something that's highlighted. People don't know how to respond to it. And so they're trying to fix you and set you up or they just stop interacting with you because there's just nowhere to go. So it's, it's a hard world. I, it was, it was a long journey and um, definitely had its highs and lows. And there's even a shame, even with being single in some churches that so focus on the family. So then it's, there's just like this setup. Yeah. Um, and can I one fact that stat that just really rocked me, but made sense was that the the largest group, the largest people group leaving the church right now are single women under the ages between 25 and 40. And that was something relevant pulled out from I think a Pew uh study a while ago. But that what that hit so deeply because there's no place to go. Like you can't go to young adults anymore. Young marrieds are building their family and they're not, you don't really want to talk about babies and mat leave all the time. And then when you get older, like many of my friends have left the church and are single just because like, where do you go? Who do you connect with? There's no, you really have to decide to stay as opposed to like, want to be a part of something. Hmm. Joel, what about you? What's your, your experience with dating apps? Yeah. I mean, I think um, even to start off, it's, it's quite different. I think this is one of the technologies that I think is varied in its reception by culture. So I grew up in like an Indian Christian community and there definitely was a shame of dating at all, you know? And then once you graduate from university, the parents are like, okay, when are you getting married? And it's like, all of a sudden I went from like, you can't date, you just Mm -hmm. have to study. And then within like one month, it's like, okay, we need to find you someone right to marry there's no like concept of like dating at that time and i think um probably it's not even like a christian indian thing it's like more so an indian thing because i think indians of different religions also have that same experience and even before dating apps had come around it is also more common to you know have prearranged marriage and those type of concepts in the indian community so actually the the way and perception of like matchmaking is uh a more common practice like i don't know if you guys have seen there's a show called indian matchmaking on netflix and like my wife really loves it actually but it is cool and fun to see like different perspectives on someone going and like looking through all of the profiles and finding a match for you which is you know a a different but similar model to what the dating apps have kind of done today with now instead of like they, they took out the matchmaker and they allow you to see all the profiles. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, it was less of a shame concept when I saw dating apps. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is like similar to um, what is already common in our community. Actually, like I kind of made that comment about like, Oh, mobile dating apps are just like the mobile version of online apps. When you asked me that original question, It's because before these apps like Tinder first came along, we actually had websites, at least in like um, the Kerala, which is a South Asian state I'm from, there's a website called M for Mary. And I think there's one for like shoddy.com. And there's like all of these like Kerala matrimony. So like all of these. was created in 1995. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think. Christian Cafe. (laughs) Yeah. I did not know about Christian Cafe. So I feel like those definitely existed before. And it's, it's, those are almost an evolution of like the paper, just like handing out paper profiles back in the day in like older India. So, mm-hmm. 
Well, and that was a thing. People would literally do this. There's newspaper, old newspaper articles from like a hundred years ago where people would be like, hey, looking for someone. Like you publish it in the newspaper. You start corresponding through mail, not email, mail. And then you engage. So it's, to say that this is a new technology, yes, it is. Because just like, you know, two by fours, you had this industrialization that proliferated them. So too with this, that you have the internet. And the internet has changed the way we just generally interact with one another in so many ways. So when you have a culture that is delocalized, um, or you live in a city that by its very nature, as Wyatt Graham says, de-neighbors you. Because there's so many people in a presence. So it's 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 almost necessary to have these other means of meeting people. And mm-hmm. so this is where I said to a friend of mine who, you know, he's in his early 30s, even if he was in his early 20s, and I'm like, yeah, use dating apps. Like as long as you practice biblical principles and you think of yourself still as a Christian before God and how you use them, I think they can be used rightly, just justly, and and for the good of yourself and others, and for God's glory, even. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd I'd add in just on the the shame and the stigma piece. There was a significant shift with COVID. So when the whole world shut down, I remember thinking my dating life is now in purgatory. I am indefinitely single. How on earth? Like we were legally not allowed to meet new people. We were told to stay within eight people. But as a result, it forced everyone to go online. Before that, it was still a little bit like, oh, you're desperate if you're online or you're really like looking to fit a need. But when it when everything shut down, it it opened it up to everybody. So then even the people that were like, oh, maybe one day I would, but only if I really have to, it it forced that. So then the variety and the options online became more real. And then I thought, like I, I noticed a change in, there was a change in respect because we were all in it together as opposed to like, oh, you're also desperate like me, which is <laughs> the wrong stigma to have. But I didn't realize how much I was carrying that until mm. COVID switched it. And we were all like, how do we navigate this together? Like, what does it look like to go from a chat to a, a call to a webinar to an in-person hangout? That was a, an experience we all had to navigate. And then now it's it's just continued that evolution. So I think it actually, and there was times where I was like, this has actually worked out better for Christian men because no one was asking, but they'd ask if it was online. And then they started to ask and start dating. Yeah, I think we all love to have good stories to tell. And so you hear people of how they met and it's so romantic, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but it's never that romantic. We select pieces of our story. Like I have two versions of the story of how my wife and I met, the version that I tell and the version that she tells, (laughs) because there is this bit of like, well, I can select these pieces. And then there's the, the full story that includes all these bumps along the way. And it takes longer to tell the full story, but that's that's the reality of life. Joel, when people ask you how you met your wife, do you do you tell them? Yeah, actually, well, yes and no. I think um, there's definitely like, at least for a while, maybe when I was like more newly married, there's still shame and stigma. So I guess um, I met my wife online through a dating app um, to set the context. And, you know, it was great. And I'm really happy it worked out that way. But now I feel like it's much more accepted. And then at the time, I feel like it was like I was one of the early people. So I met my wife trying to figure 2016 or so. And at the time, I think Tinder was the main and only app. Um, And it also had a stigma as, you know, creating this like hookup culture because there are people who would be using it kind of just like hook up with people rather than to actually find a partner. So um, my wife was actually the first person I decided um, to like move from the conversation to the in-person uh, well, meeting through that platform. So I'm, I was always intentional about it, but I feel like there was always a stigma. And I think the newer, you know, apps that have iterated on that model have like kind of thought about that and like said, how can we design it? So it's like less stigmatized and like create features. So it's like, it feels more like people are in it for more um, pure purposes. And so for Christians actually using dating apps and they're thinking about using them in a biblical way, um, how do we do that? Um, So this is where, Ruth, I really appreciate how you've written on this because you say profiles are people too. There's, There's 
so like how do we think about ghosting how do we think about swiping someone's face like there are really weird behaviors that are normalized through an app so Mm -hmm. how should a christian think about these things how did you think about these things yeah it was it was a journey and i talked to i navigate i talked about it a lot with my family and friends that I was like, how do I do this? Well, and that's the reason I wrote the articles is because I couldn't figure out how to do it from a Christian perspective. Cause everyone just said, go align as if that solved the compatibility options. And I was like, thanks. Now I just have tens of thousands of people to filter through instead of like the five you think are really good fits. Um, it's, I think I was talking to um, Adam Graber, who's a part of the faith tech community. He's so helpful in, in helping me navigate how I related to the app and he he was my editor on the articles too, but he said, he's like, in reality, when you walk into a room, you are still scoping out the people in the room, as a, especially as a single person. And so like you're checking if their style is similar to yours, if they're available by their rings, um, if they look engaging. And by that passive review, you then decide who you want to interact with in the room. So you are still having that natural response to a human in the room. So it's the same approach as you're on Hinge. It's just that you're given a face in front of you and you then have to decide what do you do. And so I think for me, it was understanding that when I decide to swipe away from someone and uh, say I'm not interested, I had to ask myself, am I doing it because I'm being too picky? Am I doing it because like I had very strong criteria in terms of um the like the faith that they were presenting, how they presented themselves, how they communicated, what values they were presenting back on their app. And then I would engage. And, and but to the point of like, I kept asking my parents, I'm like, do you have a setup for me? Who can I marry? <laughs> and so, yeah. but I, I would sometimes pass over my apps and just say, am I missing someone? And then just because I was so frustrated and make my mom swipe through people because I was quite tight with my mom or my sister-in-law and be like, who am I? missing or my roommates because I was like I'm I'm getting to the point where I was like nope 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 but if maybe someone else is able to see something I can't see because I'm just too jaded with the process so yeah so they're people it's hard to not laugh sometimes it's hard to not um but one of the other reasons of writing this article is if you're online have someone help you write your profile because then I started to look at profiles and think maybe that's actually a really good person they just don't know how to write about themselves they can't take a good picture without someone helping them um and so needing and like I've written profiles for friends and just been like hey this mm-hmm. is who I see you to be run with that because you yep. saying it's not about me or I really like to bowl doesn't give me as a as the person looking in, it doesn't give me anything to grab onto, like leave something that's going to prompt a question as opposed to like, I'm a cool dude. And you're like, cool. <laughs> so I don't know if that's enough, but I want to learn more about you. So it's, it's a, there's a lot more to it, but I really monitored, I would take breaks and I would have like comic relief moments with friends and, and crying moments with friends. Like it was, it was a journey. I really appreciate how much you involved your community in it, even in a way honoring your parents with the decision. I think Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 7, he assumes in that passage that individuals choose who they marry um, rather than the parents deciding. It's it's up to you as individuals that you kind of have this freedom of choice, which then he goes on and talks about in 1 Corinthians 9, 10, 11. So you have this responsibility, freedom of choosing. You need to do it wisely. You might have less time for ministry if you get married because we will justifiably be concerned about your spouse. So singleness isn't for everyone. Um, but the reason I kind of bring some of these things up is because I don't know if sometimes we are necessarily thinking biblically about how to approach someone, how they are a human being. And so like ghosting, I think it could be justifiable sometimes when someone's rude to you. But I always feel bad if I'm on an email thread and I don't respond well, you know, that that's a human being on the other side of it. You know, what am I doing to that person by just ignoring their question? And, mm-hmm. and sometimes this leads me to answer too many emails and maybe I need to, but those are human beings. And, and rather than just ignoring it, why not acknowledge it? Um, similarly, like I, in prepping for this, I watched a couple of random YouTube videos of like Christian dating apps. And I'm very glad we're doing this podcast because some of the advice out there, like this one guy's like, this is how I used it. And he like recorded himself literally 
within the first, this, he said, hey, what's up? She responded. He saw that she was Catholic. So he said, what do you believe is the role <laughs> of justification by faith alone this is, in becoming not- a Christian? Literally, the, and he was like promoting this is like, this is what you should do. And I'm like, you oh would never gosh. do that with, to a human being in real life. No. Or fourth question, how's your sex drive? On a Christian dating app from a Christian Ugh. man. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like we are not on the same page here, sir. <laughs> like, let's move Ugh. on. Yeah, it's you need discernment. You need, you need to like you're having a conversation with someone. And it just because it's it's an intentional, yes, you're looking for a partner, doesn't mean you take away all of the like, hey, let's be friendly. Like, I want to know that you can relate in a comedic way. And ironically. I met my husband. It was a setup because of my articles. My coworker set us up and he did lead with like all of the hard hitting definition questions <laughs> to the point like on text message to the point that I was very mad within three days of texting with him and was like, I'm done. I'm not <laughs> doing this. And then and then I started to see his personality and then it, it evolved from there. But the first three days were very iffy because he led And because of my experiences online with men that had just berated me with their definition of the gospel or like their definition of leadership roles and marriage definition. And I just was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I do not need to sit. And usually I was, I was coming from my pain in these experiences over and over again, but it was also like, okay, thanks. This is not for me. I need to move on. But, but the other side of this is, if you don't, you are not responsible for their boundaries. So not in, in that like aggressively Mm. gospel throwing around, but if they can't handle a casual no, or like in one of my stories on dating, there was a guy that I just took 10 minutes to respond to a question and he took complete offense and was like, I guess they're not interested. Like, I guess you're not interested. I didn't say anything wrong. And I was like, Hey man, like this is on you to manage. You need to manage your heart and your mind in this conversation. I am not responsible to make you feel totally seen through this entire conversation because we're two humans responsible for ourselves. And if I'm feeling responsible for you in the entire interaction, I'm never, I'm going to end up talking to hundreds of people all the time. Like I'll never, it'll never end. And I might not be interested in any of them. So it's, it's very uncomfortable to end. And I, I wrestled with ghosting and I don't, I probably did at some point. And just cause the conversation got bored and they never showed more interest or, and they ghosted on me and I just kind of left it. Um, but it's, it was a, it's a real battle. And then my, my balance of it was like, okay, on LinkedIn, I don't respond to everyone because I had people reaching out that I had no interest in. I didn't want to hear from. And like, how do you, how, what do you do in those situations? Other than like, I'm sorry, man, I'm not interested in you. That's not always a kind response. Yeah, I think on the topic of ghosting, like originally I had thought, oh yeah, that's like not nice and disrespectful. Like people deserve to, you know, be cordial with them. But then, you know, if you start thinking about it in how it would have happened in an old in the older world, if you were approached at um, I don't know, uh <laughs> I wanted to say a, at a bar, but put it to a more Christian context. If you were opposed at like a, a why youth can't Christians group, go to bars, Joel? A Christians can go to bars or something like that. And someone approached you and you never wanted to see him again. You didn't, you know, you didn't have to like find out who they were and like connect with them and be like, yeah, sorry, I don't want to talk to you again. You just never saw them again. So I think like depending on the the level of engagement, I think like you can consider like ghosting as like normal and not and like non-issue to like, hey, that person does reserve, like you have created this engagement mm-hmm. and like they do deserve some like clarity on what's going on. Yeah, I appreciate that. Because then there's there's a difference between someone initiating a voicemail to you and you not responding like your spam because you right. you didn't ask for that versus like you've had text exchanges, then you might need to like close that out versus you've had phone call exchanges. My, res- my way of handling it was if I had uh, talked to them in person that I needed to say something in person to say like, hey, I don't think this is going anywhere um, when I could or in or on, on the phone call at minimum, just to like, end that out. Um, as, but yeah, I'm, when I think of ghosting, I think of like the one to three text chats that have happened, not like I've been hanging out with them for three weeks and then I peace out. Like that's, we need to have a conversation. <laughs> that's not fair to anyone. Yeah. Cause the dating apps are meant to be a transition and 
just like hinges advertising it's like the app that's meant to be deleted like that mm-hmm. truly should be how a christian approaches it um because we have a view towards love and god's glory and the fidelity of marriage as opposed to not for all people but for people who end up in that situation as god allows um yeah you you have a role towards that not towards lust and hookup culture and so this is this is the question that that ruth you brought up earlier is is you got to figure out your own heart in the process and be responsible for it. Involve yourself in your community, as Proverbs would speak about getting counsel from others. And that's what wisdom is, is, is not simply taking biblical rules rigidly and independently applying them to your life, but involving your community in it. That's actually how you apply scripture as being part of a community, a church, a family yourself with your parents. Um, not everyone is blessed with the relationship with your parents, with their parents that you do, I think. And not everyone, yeah. Many, most of my friends were like, "Nah, I'm not talking to my parents about this." It was just I had cultivated over the years. I was like, "Okay," and it brought empathy so that they weren't pressuring me to get married because they could see what I was working through. Yeah, yeah. And similarly, I think, like, I realized this with any with anything, whether it's online or in person. Like, if I'm podcasting or doing a sermon, sometimes I have a proclivity towards I want to sound like an expert which is different than offering good advice. You might sound like an expert by offering good advice, but if I truly want to help people, well, then I'll use whatever means I can. You know, it's different, right? So when you're using the app and you're like, okay, what is my, like, obviously there's an extreme of the person who's transparent about everything and they're jumping into super sensitive topics too early. And then there's the other extreme of like, I'm just going to be a locked box that mm-hmm. I'm never going to expose myself. So you, as you, you start to open up and establish trust and, and then you start to like, it gets to you because you're anxious. People are responding. You're, 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 you're building trust, but then you're, you're, you're allowing yourself to have some vulnerability. What's that doing to you? Do you need to take breaks as you reference? Do you need to you know, say to people, hey, just deleting the app for a month, maybe be back in a month. Sorry, because that might be worth it. Like some people should delete Facebook for their mental health. They really should, or Instagram or Be Real or whatever app you're on. Uh, so I think it's complicated to to create trust in this online world. How do you do that? How do you how do you successfully meet someone on a dating app? What advice would you give, Ruth? Um, or Joel, because you've done it too. Yeah, actually, Joel, you married someone online. I have stuff. I've met lots of people and had some really great conversations and dates out of it. But do yeah, you I go mean, first maybe to add more color to the how it actually played out. Um, we connected, and you know, we had some really good conversations, deeper conversations. We chatted a bunch, you know, on on the on the app, and then I was like, "Hey, I'm actually going to Japan for a month for work." Um, so. What we agreed is that, okay, well, like, you know, put this uh, on a pause. And then when I come back, like, see if we're still interested and then we'll meet in person, you know, and we're definitely interested through, through that whole time I came back and then we finally, you know, arranged to have uh, dinner in person and, you know, prior, like prior to getting to that point, to your point, there was, you know, very thoughtful and engaging questions. And I mean, I think it varies by person, but I feel like our personalities match because she also was looking for a thoughtful and engaging conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Like deeper conversation. So I think, you know, it's a self filtering process where it's like, if you are looking for someone like that and that person's looking for something like very surface level until they get in person, then they're not necessarily the type of person who's going to be very like forthcoming and like dump everything on you and be like, you know, easily trusting maybe or something like that. Right. So I think, in that conversation, we affirmed to ourselves that like, oh, we, we are alike, we do feel connected, we feel comfortable with each other. I think this is, you know, a good decision to make the next step and like actually see each other in person. I would say, um, which I, I love that I'm impressed you waited a month because my I was like, no, we got to keep this moving because I there was just you're doing I was, well I just didn't have the time like I was like let's we can keep talking let's keep going um the way most of the people I know and how I hear people talk about it and what I, my practice was was I'd meet someone if the conversation um kept going like it wasn't a slog to be like and how are you and what did you do today and like they could banter they could have some fun 
Um, you'd like text for a couple days and then like, let's get on a phone call because I want to get to know you outside of, and taking the pressure off of like, I need to marry this person. It was like, I'm just here meeting interesting people, asking interesting questions and being curious about the people I'm getting to know. So it wasn't about, um, we didn't, I didn't, I think originally I would do more of that screening. And then towards the end, I was like, this is a numbers game and not out of desperation, just out of like, the the sheer volume of people online that honestly that's what kept my head hopeful was because there was a lot of no thank yous if you're what I said and a friend said to me is if you're only compatible with three percent going online only makes your geography bigger and so you're now we're having to navigate through even more to say there's a lot more that you're not compatible with that you have to swipe through to get to the ones that you are and so I wanted to know quickly are we on the same page or are we not on the same page? And in a nice, polite way, like, okay, let's keep going. You can keep going to your person because they're filtering me out as much as like the profiles I was offended with. I had to be like, okay, man, like I am not your gaming girlfriend just because you're dressed in a halo outfit. And that's your profile picture. Like not for me, thanks. And so like got on them. They're looking for a specific type of woman. Um, And so I, what I do is we chat for a couple of days, we'd have a phone call. And then if that was having, if that was going well, if we were locally close enough, then I'd meet for a walk. Um, and then we'd start talking from there. And then usually within a couple of weeks of conversation, if not by the walk or the phone call, I got a sense of like this move forward, we're on the same page or no, it's not, it's not going anywhere. And you, you described something there that I think is counterintuitive. You're using a dating app but then once you start meeting people, you aren't necessarily like putting all the burden on this potential for marriage. You're okay t- for it to function within perhaps a friend space. Like people people understand that you can have friends with people of the opposite sex. I mean, Jesus did it. We should be okay with it, guys. Come on. Like I, I still agree with the Billy Graham rule to some extent. You can Google search the Billy Graham rule and then see a bunch of p- angry people talking about it. But, <laughs> but you can have boundaries, but still make friendships with people of the opposite sex. And that's what a dating app can do for you. And that's okay to be in mm-hmm. a, to be in a, not the friend zone. Cause that has different connotations, but you know what I mean? Like your friends, that's what you're doing. It's good mm-hmm. to get to know people. Cool that there's other Christians, right? And like, there's so many interesting people out there. Like it, you just get to know, like, what does that career sound like? That sounds really amazing. What's this career? Like, there's just such a wealth of people out there that, you like if you have your criteria of I will marry this career and they must be a musician and they must do these things like what if you actually really get along with I don't know an engineer who does music on the side like there's there's so many parameters and I, this really came from um Dr. Henry Cloud wrote a book called How to Get a Date Worth Keeping which is a horrible title um because when I bought the book I was like no one will ever know I've read this I will throw it away or burn it like Absolutely not. But it was so good that I now tell everyone to read it because he talks through like, guys, get out of your heads. This is like, you need to get used to meeting people. You need to get used to having a conversation. This isn't when we put all the pressure on like this next person needs to be the one, then it was, then it becomes very stressful. Then your identity is on the line. If they say, Hey, it's not for me. Then you're like, Oh, I just, I'm not going to marry anyone. All of a sudden, like you, you take it in an entirely different weight versus like, Hey, we're getting to know each other. You seem really fun. This is great, but I'm not clicking in this way or our values aren't quite aligned. Let's I enjoyed my time. Let's keep going in respect for our mutual interests in finding a partner and also being friendly and honoring to each other. Mm-hmm. Cause if you put all that pressure on yourself early on or, or at any point, what it, it, it might not happen. It might happen. And this is where, as a Christian, you need to function in any relationship, even with your actual spouse. If they become God to you, and they are your only source of affirmation and respect, and your sense of self-worth only comes from that individual, you're bound to fail. Mm -hmm. They are not perfect. They are not God. The only person who can give you perfect love is God. And we can only get that, that affirmation that is fully secure eternally from him. And so as you approach relationships, regardless of whether it's in the dating context, but especially as we think about these dating apps, like you need to remind yourself of that. At least I would, because I found that in in my dating days. And I still find that today. It's so easy to let other people control whether or not you're having a good or bad day. Mm -hmm. Right. 
you know, oh, they didn't respond to me. You know, I worked in sales. Those were highs and lows in sales. And and I feel like the way you described the numbers game, that's yes, what we describe it's the in sales. Same thing. So it's yeah. a funnel. No, I do I, think it's a numbers game. And I have been, I guess, after started, I started to look into dating apps and stuff for this podcast. I don't know if this is how my brain works. I'm like, oh, like what's the next technical technological step? Like, what should we do next? And it's like, I think AI matchmaking definitely solves and like brings in different elements that we have kind of lost by moving to um, self-selecting dating apps. And what I mean by that is like, um, you know, Ruth kind of had her parents or other people to kind of like bounce ideas off. So if you had someone who like knew you more intimately um, and not everyone has their parents, like for example, um, my parents, they, without my even like permission or knowledge, they put me on like a dating web and then like we're like bringing <laughs> people to me and being like yeah like it's very common you like go on this website and you feel like all these other girls or guys from your church are on they don't know their parents put them on too oh my gosh <laughs> it's like that's a yeah. whole other culture there's <laughs> so, but there's movies about that now and like the uh culturally parents are it's well known that the parents are putting both their kids are on and then but their definition of their children are very different than the actual child. Right, right. So my parents would show me something and I'd be like, you know, this is not what I want. And my dad, I think he got really frustrated with me at one point. He's like, what, Joel, do you want to marry someone who can climb mountains? And I'm like, yes, I do. Like, that is what I actually want. Um, and, you know, me and my wife have gone and climbed a couple of mountains in our time. So I think it was like, you know, what I guess the point I'm getting at is like the AI or someone else would be able to like know me and my preferences better and like help with that numbers game. And actually like, maybe I would say I want this, but they'd be able to recommend something to me and like actually like have better insights than, and you know, we're kind of there with the algorithms, but AI is kind of like, just like putting that to the next level where it's actually like considering more nuances about you in like making those decisions. There is one app, I think it's Coffee Meets Bagel. I don't know if it's still running, but it goes off of your Facebook friends. So it gives you people that would be within your network. So your friends are friends with these people, which like, I mean, we also have like thousands of friends from years ago that we've never like curated, but it gave me a more piece to be like, okay, there's a good chance. Well, actually both, like I was more than secretive and be like, oh my gosh, what if my, they're talking to my friends about this back when I was ashamed of being online dating. But then there was the other part of like, okay, if I need to, I can go cross-reference their character with someone. Um, Cause that it is still nerve wracking that you, and I have a friend that's just that I can't, I can't imagine dating someone online. Cause I never get to observe them in their natural environment. Like, you know, when you see someone in church or in a social setting, you can see how they handle themselves around someone else. The fact that you can't do that before hanging out with them for the first time is very nerve wracking for quite a few people. And it's just not for them. Yeah, that's a good point. Like who's going to vouch for your trust, right? And like the matchmaker paradox, you have someone saying like, yeah, I know the other person on the other side. So like there's an element of trust rather than a complete stranger. I think that dating technology is going to be far more difficult because of the complexities. And like I worked at a I worked at a tech company that specialized in hiring software, algorithms for hiring. There's a lot of good industrial organizational psychologists who do tons of research and they can predict whether or not someone's a good fit in a job decently well. I mean, there's still a pretty massive margin of margin of error but like there's positive correlations up to 0.3.4% with some of these technologies that you know ask the applicant to do a survey ask the employer to do a survey that's what my company did and there's there's plenty of them but my company that I worked at was obviously the best plum go buy from them blah 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 there's my <laughs> pitch always a salesperson but for dating because I talked to a number of expert psychologists about this, dating is far more difficult. There's not proven research. eHarmony has tried to publish their own research, presenting their findings. And they're like, yeah, we have correlations, but they're weak correlations. And ultimately, mm -hmm. there's such a high variability that I think Ruth's point of it's a numbers game. You got to like 
try new people. You got to try people that you don't think you might be interested in. Like my wife and I have complete opposite personalities. Any personality survey, we're opposites. And it's like, well, doesn't that suck because you can't be like extroverted together? And it's like, yeah, that's, that gets frustrating every once in a while. But isn't it great that I get to go out, have an extroverted night with the boys, and then she gets a nice quiet night at home and we're both like exceptionally fulfilled at the end of it, you know? And she actually grounds me because I'm this guy who's like, yeah, I'm going to start a podcast. And she's like, what good is that? You should meet with like so-and-so one-on-one and encourage him. And it's like such a healthy balance for me so that I don't end up, you know, getting back to where's your heart at. I, I could really indulge in a lot of terrible things for me, but my wife keeps me grounded. And so that's what my point is that it, just get out there, get on the apps, meet new people, treat them as friends, use the curiosity approach that Ruth talked about. And, you know, maybe good things happen like, like happened with Joel. Yeah. And I think there's like, there's some interesting um, secular people that are talking about this. Like Esther Perel is a relational psychologist. And it was so interesting what you were saying there, Andrew, because she says we've we've created like before. If you interview Aziz Ansari's wrote a book called Modern Romance, which is I'd say decently good. Towards the end, it was like I don't need that, but the interest <laughs> beginning was interesting. And it he interviews or they interview people in seniors' homes and say like How did you meet your spouse? And they met them because they were around the corner, seemed kind, made a good income, and they were ready to the person was ready to leave the home. And so there was an entirely different category where now Esther Perel says, you need someone that can be emotionally fulfilling, uh, sexually arousing of like adventurous with you. It's like exciting, but also very safe. And like, we have this juxtaposition of a human that we've then Mm -hmm. said, like, you need to be everything. And if you're not this on my one, my one profile, I'm swiping right past you instead of giving someone the chance of getting to know them being curious about them seeing if it's the right combination and identifying like this henry cloud goes through this is like what are you looking for and why are you looking for it like is it something in you that you're actually trying to overcompensate for instead of being like and you're just like i need someone that will solve all of these problems because you're not going to god your identity's not in god or you're you're dealing with your own trauma and, and healing and understanding that the way we've warped it in the world and, and culture in the last 50 years, we've changed what we look for in a spouse and put an entire world like burden on that partner and just said, you need to be everything to me instead of being like, God will be this. My community will support here. My family is going to be involved here. Like it used to be a bigger um, landscape of what we were using to fill ourselves with. Yeah. I think some people they're too restrictive um, in their criteria, for sure. Like I, I even think the physical attraction piece is so overrated because it's such a cultural thing. Like, yeah, some people would say you need to have that absolutely, but some people can grow more attractive to you over time. Like as you get to know them, there's there's studies that prove this. As if you stare face to face with someone for like they did it for five minutes, and assess their beauty or handsomeness or whatever criteria versus someone you just meet the person you stare at longer you appreciate more there's like the familiarity bias that kicks in and so there's just all these things that can work towards you ending up with someone that you love and guess what the person you marry and how they look they're not going to look that way in 10 years absolutely not so if your criteria is like a 22 year old whatever boy girl fit this that sorry that's going to change like you're going to have kids, you're going to get old, all this stuff's going to happen. Um, I, T- Tim and Kathy Keller, they talk about different dating techniques in one video. I'll, I'll link to it. One of the things I thought they, that they do that is helpful as they speak about, can you solve problems with this person? That should be mm-hmm. a key criteria in your dating approach. And so, you know, it's not just about, do they fulfill me, but can you work on something together that's external to you? and build a relationship that way. Like when they hear about, oh, you know, Ruth, you volunteer at Faith Tech and and maybe that's that's where you get involved and you do something together. That'd be really cool, right? Yeah. Um, or it's, whatever it is, you do something together for the good of others. I think that's that's beautiful because that's what a Christian marriage functions as. It's, it's for the good of others, whether kids, if God allows that or not, um, or if that's, yeah, but, or, or in other ways, you, you exist as a reflection as uh, Ephesians 5 talks about as Christ in the church, which is about a self-giving relationship, not about Mm -hmm. self-fulfillment. My husband and I had a moment um, a little while ago when I was like, what 
do we have in common? <laughs> like, <laughs> and realizing like our interests, like our, our side hobbies, like he's big into volleyball and video games and violin. And I love reading and learning and like, not that he doesn't like those things, but it was like, actually what we have, that's what really unites us is our shared values, our shared faith and our approach to how we do life together and our approach to how we solve problems. And I remember asking the same question to my parents and they were like, yeah, it's, it's our faith and it's our values and how we, how we function as a team as opposed to like, hey, we really love to play volleyball every Friday night. I started to, and when I was researching my articles, I started to like politely ask guys about their online dating experience (laughs) while I was getting to know them. And one guy was really helpful and like just, we became good friends and, uh, and or we were very interested and then decided to stay friends. And he showed me his app and he was saying he has, he has to navigate whether or not it's a bot or not. And I'd never had that, that problem. And then, um, and he's like, I was like, well, then how do you tell? And he's like, the way they talk to you, the way they look, it's too perfect. Um, and then, but he's like, the apps are creating, I don't know, this is helpful, but the apps are creating bots to try and there are less women on these apps than there are men. And so they're trying to balance that out. Because it drives addiction to the app, Mm -hmm. right? It can be just yet another app that drives your addiction. The, The one thing we haven't talked about that I think is helpful to think through is the ability to make everything easier, more efficient, more economical. Like you're not spending money on going to a bar because you can just download the app and use it for free. At least most of them you can use for free. Some of them trick you into paying after you create your profile and things like that, but mostly are free. And so it's like leveraging this, this ease of access, which I think is great. But then at the same time, that can kind of set up this ease of introduction and then that step, as Ruth, you mentioned earlier, that first in-person meeting is so overwhelming. And like in any new interaction with a human being, there's going to be awkward elements of it. There's going to be elements that it takes work to figure out where the conversation goes. Mm-hmm. Like I'm an extrovert, but those 15 minutes after the church service where I'm like, I'm a church person, I want to chat with people, but man, how do I do this well? Like I struggle with that. And that's just in a, this nice shared environment of shared values. But in all all circumstances with new people, there's going to be an awkwardness. And don't get so caught up in the ease of texting that it becomes difficult to make that, you know, somewhat insurmountable to people's step of going to in person. I was just going to say to what you were saying was when I would meet with someone um, in person or on the phone, I would intentionally think to myself, you are going to be... Um, uh, relaxed. Cause my dad had always said to me, rela- people want to be around people that relax them. So as, even though I was nervous, my goal was to present a relaxed persona. And that meant that I'd laugh quickly to whatever they're saying and not fake laugh. Like I wasn't just like humoring every single thing they said and laughing uneducated. Like I was laughing, but I was, I wasn't making them work for it as hard as I would if I was like unimpressed with them. And then I had grace for the social awkwardness. Cause there are quite a few people that don't know how to interact with someone in face-to-face anymore. So I was intentionally the first couple conversations within reason, I'd be like, okay, it's our first interaction. We're still getting our footing. And then, so I'd laugh easy. I was trying to intentionally be relaxing and I'd come with a lot of questions. And so, because I know people relax when they talk about themselves. So what questions can I ask to get them talking about themselves? And then I was paying attention to though, if they reciprocated and asked me questions. And that was something that I weighed when I was deciding if we wanted to keep hanging out um, beyond that. But it was, it was something that I paid attention to and intentionally came into the conversation as this is just a conversation. I'm here to ask questions. I'm here to be relaxed with this other person. Let's see what fun we can have. It's a good approach. And and to your point earlier, when you also include the values piece into it, because that's essential as Christians, and uh, that goes a long way too. But you can't always ask those up front. Like sometimes no. I would have an inkling and then I would like three dates in be like, okay, let's start talking through the rest of the values. Cause it, um, it, it depended though. Like you, some people I was much more upfront with a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You just were listening to a Joel Osteen sermon great okay interesting great oh okay um uh uh you know another thing to talk about now like how (laughs) you get into the prosperity gospel on the first date i don't know maybe you do it's happened um 
It, it certainly could. <laughs> well, final thoughts for the person who is nervous about using the dating app. They're nervous. They're nervous. And they, they're about to install it. They've searched it on their phone right now. And now they turn to you, Ruth, for what, final words of wisdom. Which mm-hmm. And your, your name, by the way, is based around a woman who pursued a man biblically, right? Like Pretty a woman who took initiative. Yeah, yeah. very aggressively. <laughs> um, we won't go into the ethics <laughs> of that. Um, but what would you say to a nervous person that's ready to download the app but isn't sure? I think like gather a community around you um, and do this with partnership. Cause there's going to be good days and bad days. It's a, it's a, it's a numbers game. There's going to be a lot of want people that you're not interested in. And then a few people that you are. And I think always, um, well, when you're writing your profile, have people help you. I have someone help take your picture so that it's not a selfie or a mirror picture. Um, figure out like, there's a lot of men that take pictures from their chest up to their chin. Um, or don't include the face in their profile picture. Like take some time on your profile, have someone support you with that. That's not a bad thing to ask for help with. And then be curious, um, ask questions, think through your values, what you what you want to filter based off of versus what you want to assess out in a conversation when you want to talk about different things. And the goal is really to have fun, meet people. It's not about every single person you're swiping on is being like, well, not marrying him, not marrying him. It's like, I'm getting to know people so that um, once I've gotten to know them, we can decide if we want to keep moving forward towards marriage. And I think God can use, there are tons of stories that come from God and interacting and bringing people together on dating apps. There are tons of stories of like dating apps, making connections to other people that are in like you might have a connection online that then meets you meet the friend and that's the person you end up dating and that's okay too there's god can use technology he's not afraid of it and i've met some really wonderful people online cool well this has been what would jesus tech figuring out how to use technology in a christian way and it's not easy but it's fun it really can be fun so good on you for those who are using dating apps and want to pursue marriage no shame on those who choose not to because of the potential anxieties or whatever else that comes with it this is wwjt i'm joel i'm andrew that's you're not i don't know why i did that but um yeah but uh (laughs) use tech find rest and glorify god take care